0: Welcome to episode 92 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Richard McKinnon, I'm your host, and I'm joined as ever by my co host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how's it going with you today?
1: It is going mighty well. <laughs> if I can
0: mighty, say. well. <laughs> mighty well. Mighty uh, well.
1: The weather is really weird, uh, but yeah, it's all going very well. Yes, yes.
0: We've had all the weather today. All of the yes. seasons have drifted over London today. So mm, it's been yes. interesting.
1: Yes. So I am, well, I am very curious because this is now the third episode in our coaching series, Richard. Mm -hmm. Anything that uh, you want to say to listeners before we dive in?
0: Just to remind them that we're going to do an episode a little bit further down the line where we address questions. So if you have any questions or comments or anything that you've always wanted to know about coaching, get in touch and we'll, we'll answer them on the show. You can send us a tweet at MyPocketPsych or send us a longer message on the contact form and you can find that at worklifepsych.com slash
1: Great. So yeah, that will be great to hear the questions and also just how you're liking the series as well. I'm interested in that as well. Um, So we looked at the essentials of what coaching is in the first episode. And uh, the last episode, we looked at some common pitfalls to avoid. So We're going to look at today something slightly different, how coaching can be used specifically when it comes to productivity. I'm really curious, Richard, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I suppose we defined coaching already. So I suppose it's probably helpful to look at what do we mean by productivity
0: Absolutely. And, and I'll start by saying it's probably a bad idea to Google productivity, oh. unless you want to um, spend the rest of your day um, uh, looking at that. Um, I, I try and keep it simple when I'm talking about productivity, either in coaching or training. Um, I define it as simply learning how to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. So, that means that we learn how to prioritize the many things that we could do at any given time, and that we're bringing um, an awareness of the time we have available and the effort that we want to get uh, into a certain task so that we can achieve the quality. Uh, so you know doing doing things in at the right time in the right way um and and selecting the right thing from all the possible things we we can do kind of summarizes it for me now, as we 'll see there 's more to it than that, but what I want to avoid is i suppose a common misunderstanding that productivity is about simply doing more, you know getting more stuff. Done. Because we could all do more things, but would they be the right things? Would they be aligned with our goals? Would they be reflective of the priorities of our um, organization or, you know, a- any of that stuff, any of that really important contextual information? So you, you could, using that definition, be productive and actually do less. You know, And that's an interesting theme at the moment when we see a lot more discussion around four-day weeks and, and, and such, that actually we need to look at productivity through a slightly different lens. If we only focus on the hours put into work, it's misleading. And because of that... Uh, It's a big part of my coaching practice. I spend a lot of time supporting individuals around this topic in in various ways. And of course, because of the nature of productivity and our thoughts about it and our behavior around it, you often see it overlapping with themes relating to well-being. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that that it always the, the the word always conjures up like lots of production. <laughs> I suppose productivity mm-hmm. is so close to production, and I think yeah, especially if you're going to get some kind of help, even in in the form of coaching, to to address it, then it's it's important to to understand what we mean. So actually, that takes me to my last question: Is this something that people come to you to do specifically? Or is this something that tends to emerge during coaching conversations?
0: A little bit of both. Um, although sometimes when the initial conversation is about productivity, that just might be a convenient word to use. And actually mm. the work we do is on something different. Um, and sometimes it emerges as a topic. So um, it, it's, it's less really about um you know, are, are we um, agreed this is a productivity thing and we have to agree a definition, but more a case of how can we uncover the root cause of whatever it is that's preventing you from being the kind of person you want to be. And sometimes those things are related to that prioritization or that task selection or that focus. Um Back in episode 89, uh, that was the one where I went solo. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all me, uh, if that's bearable. <laughs> but I, I, I looked at some of the ways that we can actually um, potentially overextend ourselves when it comes to productivity. And, and that's by missing out some of the really important things. So, you know, that episode elaborates on some of the reasons that someone might ask for support uh, through a coaching program by forgetting about the stuff that's really meaningful to them or thinking that it's about doing more all the time so we need to remember not only um, our priorities but the fact that we're almost certainly interdependent with other people so we need to be aware of the impact or potential impact our decisions and our behavior have on on those around us but to come back to your question <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it, it might be that yeah day one here look, Uh, A very uh, self-aware individual will say, look, I procrastinate, it's causing me lots of problems and I regularly feel overwhelmed because I leave things to the last minute. And that could be fairly cut and dry, you know, a little bit of exploration, uh, discussion around it, and we could both say, let's let's help you with this procrastination habit. It can also, though, be a sort of a general um, learning the skills of getting a little bit more organized. And I'll give you a super common example. A question I'll ask people is, uh, where does your work live? Or if you had to show me the tasks you want to get done today, what would you be showing me? And for so many people in this space, they're carrying it around in their head and they're hoping they'll remember everything. And the trying to remember everything is itself uh, a cause of pressure and, and stress, as is the horrible feeling when you think you've forgotten something but you're not quite sure what it is, so then the coaching is often around building a trusted system and learning how to take some of that pressure off yourself by creating a system that that supports you and allows you to decide what you're going to do next. Um, a very common one is is around the working with other people, and in um, let's say newly appointed managers or even managers that have been in situ for a while, delegation comes up. And, um, this is, this is really related to productivity because if we're not de- delegating sufficiently or effectively, we're left with so much more to do. <laughs> and so we need to learn why we're holding on all of those tasks and responsibilities? What's holding us back from doing that? It's very uh, unlikely that someone doesn't understand what delegation is. So it, it's, it's normally about what are your beliefs about the people around you or your beliefs about yourself and the work that prevent you from doing that. And um, so that's a, that's a really, a really common scenario. Do, do those ones make sense so far? And can you see them sitting under this umbrella term of, of productivity?
1: Completely. And I can see how we need to start with self-awareness to understand exactly what it is that we are experiencing that's making us feel less productive, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. And then I find it very interesting that I can see how the conversations can go all the way from the big abstract why's, why is that happening? So there might be, I don't know, for example, something around like relationships or, or procrastination, if, if we want to understand that. All the way to okay. What is the what are the practical things that we can start doing uh, for that? So I think it's a really interesting thing to look at because of that spectrum of conversation and whether yeah and, and how to address it.
0: It's huge, basically, yes. and it is a sort of a badge of convenience, but it helps um, me and it helps my clients sort of categorize um, what what are we what are we focusing on here. A frequent red herring, if you like, is. Um, time management. When people talk about developing time management skills, or I'm no good at time management, and I'll almost certainly gently push back there, because we need to manage more than our time. We need to manage our attention. And actually, the root cause of a lot of the discourse around time management is the realization that um, I'm working really long hours. I'm working every weekend. Um, I can't seem to get everything done. And so I might suggest it's less about time management and more about prioritizing what's mm-hmm. done and what's not done. It could be about delegation and the lack thereof. It could be about putting off difficult conversations about workload or asking for support. So it's very rarely strict time management. You know, I mean, we're, we're not particularly good. At noting the passage of time and, and understanding how long things take, that, that's a real skill. But actually, um, I, I might suggest that more often than not, it's about how we think and feel about our work rather than uh, strictly keeping to time.
1: And, and so I can start to see how the conversation might go or how it might start, but what else do you talk about or what, what else do you focus on with someone when you're working on their productivity?
0: So uh, a very important thing um, that, that can sound a little bit disappointing maybe is, is there is no one size fits all solution. I can't say to someone, here is the method, because oh. <laughs> uh, the diversity, I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, listeners, you can stop now. But yeah. no, th- there is no um, one way that everyone can, can work that is going to address all of these uh, many and varied challenges. So, so what we quickly get into is, let's talk about what is working for you and what's not in your context in the job you have to do with your responsibilities, the people you work with in your organization's culture, what's working for you and what's not working for you. And, and if that stuff's not working for you, what are the consequences? Um, what does it mean for you and your life so that we can put it in context? And, and that's important so that someone can understand the potential gains that they could get from making some changes. And they can also see the central role that this might be playing in their life. And of course, you know, we might be talking about productivity, but concerns about this and long hours can spill over into uh, friction in their personal lives. And so again, it's, it's a badge of convenience, but it's a starting point. So again, without a perfect checklist of do this, don't do this, What's working for you? What's not working for you? And tell me how it feels. So how does it feel when you procrastinate? Because you, you know, you are, but you're telling yourself all kinds of great stories as to why putting it off is, is a good idea. But when you realize you're procrastinating, how does that feel? Or how does it feel when you realize you've, you've completely forgotten an important task or commitment? Or, or how does it feel to be overwhelmed? And so we're, we're, we're looking at context and we're looking at the emotions and the impact of those emotions. And so you could probably see we're we're moving quite far away from, oh, if only you planned your week a bit better. Yeah. And that's, that's the advice, you know, helpfully or not, that people give them. Um, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Oh, no, you just need to plan a bit better. And actually, you can find cycles and patterns in our behavior that are a result of the emotions that come from uh, events and our own behavior and sometimes the way that we cope with it uh, helps us feel good in the short term like procrastination but sets us up for more trouble in the medium to longer term and what I really want to do is seek to validate those emotions and you know get them out there and talk about it so that people can recognize when they show up how they're maybe led by them and how they can deal with them a little bit more uh, effectively and That's probably not what most people um, expect. So it's important that I set out the stall at the beginning about, you know, the overarching theories um, that that I might use in our conversations. And then a big part um, that we'll, we'll talk about, at least at some stage, is about your beliefs. Uh, about yourself, about the world, about work—you know—frequently, you know, people who um, will talk about the amount of work they have to do and the long hours they're putting in. They'll also hold on to some beliefs about "I'm the only one who can do this," or "I'm the only one who can do it well," or "I must do everything perfectly." And so, those thoughts, those beliefs, that framework they're relying on is really important to examine and know weekly planning template is going to get past that because those beliefs are, are going to be much much stronger than any template or app or checklist so we're going right down into your your worldview and your view of yourself and um, that's a really good point to start unlocking how huh, these are some of the things you're saying to yourself about yourself or about your work or about your job how helpful are they And it's, it's very important, uh, to look at those with compassion, as in, you know, you've, you've built up this habit. Your mind is trying to help you, um, avoid pain or discomfort or danger, but ultimately it's not a helpful pattern and you can change it. So to help people feel they have a sense of, of agency, um, a sense, a sense of control over their own responses to what's going on. And that they're, they're sort of high-level themes that will often uh, come up. But also, um, and this is why I'm a little bit cynical about it, people will often talk about all of the advice they've swept up and cultivated from those around them and the internet. And, you know, they've tried lots of things. And obviously, they've tried lots of one-size-fits-all solutions. And they can they can be very disillusioned and feel a little bit hopeless. You know, I've tried everything. Nothing works. What's wrong with me? Well, look. If you've tried, you know, copying the billionaires' wake up in the morning uh, routine, or you've you've tried some absolutely crazy approach to ignoring your email when you work on a team, it's unlikely that you're going to get the result you're looking for. This is about creating a recipe that works for you in your context, your role and responsibilities, and so on. So that that's a very important part to cover off.
1: And I think that this is really important to be aware of this because many of us will, when we start to think about, okay, having conversations around productivity or having someone help us with productivity, we're more likely to go to the last examples you were giving, which is just very practical stuff and even even some tools immediately, whereas actually everything you're mentioning is really about going to the root of of what's going on and looking at ourselves that, that, I mean you mentioned self awareness and what's working, what's not, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think these are conversations that we might not expect when we are tackling something like productivity so so I suppose it's I, I imagine also whether we uh, need to look at the mindset that all of this requires from us, just the conversation, but also then our approach to it. So what else is there around that, Richard, around the the mindset that we need to, well, why it's important and, and what we need to be embracing?
0: Exactly, because um, like I say, um, no template or checklist is going to Uh, be stronger than the way you think about yourself and the world. But it's also useful in parallel to give people systems that they can experiment with. And so they've got that nice combination Mm. of your general um, thinking and emotional life and your behaviors that serve you well um and you know finding a a mix of that can be a little bit trial and error and that's fine because that's as we've said that's part of coaching it's it's not about um for example to differentiate it from productivity training where you might go on a course and you might be told this is the way to do it and maybe after a short while you realize this this doesn't sit well with me this doesn't reflect me as a person, or my preferences, or the job I have. And so, the, the benefit of approaching this with, with a coaching hat on is that bespoke one to one let's create something for you. But the, the element of m- mindset you know, covers off a lot of stuff. And I, I've alluded to, to some of those things as well. We might hold on to some self limiting beliefs about ourselves and the people around us that prevent us from speaking up or delegating or asking questions about our workload, or even beliefs about what I should, must, or need to do, Um, things around perfectionism and so on. So all that stuff our mind gives us uh, that shows up regularly and unhelpfully, if we identify with it too much, we can sort of accept those things as truths, and then they, they impact our behavior. And so then we get into a a habit, if you like, um, and so that the trap there is, you know, if I think it, it must be true, or if I think it, I, I better do it, uh, as opposed to giving people the skills so they can step back from those thoughts and really see. Is that helpful to follow that through? So we've got the the stuff our mind gives us, which is you know really really powerful, and then there's a there's another um, big thing which is around what are you doing in an effort to avoid being uncomfortable. And that's a, I mean, that's a, there's a life skill element to this in almost every scenario I can think of, but particularly in the difficulties around deciding what we're going to do and not do, or deciding about conversations we're going to have. If we're tied up with trying to avoid or minimize uh, any psychological discomfort, then we can find ourselves in all kinds of less than helpful habits like procrastination. You know, I keep coming back to that example whenever I talk about discomfort, but it's such a good way of understanding the power that psychological discomfort can hold over our behavior. We convince ourselves that the task is so gross and boring and awful, we'll do all kinds of mental gymnastics to uh, convince ourselves that next week is a better time. So actually facing up to, to the discomfort and wading into it and experiencing it and realizing boredom isn't deadly. (laughs) Ambiguity isn't a threat to my well-being. You know, in healthy doses, um, and actually, we we talked about this um, at length. So, if listeners are interested, back in episode fifty-eight, which I'll be honest, feels like a very long time ago now. Very long time um, we we discussed, you know, how how can you better deal with the discomfort that shows up? So, we might, you know, explore some of those skills. And of course, something is simple, and this is why it's really important to recognize the role uh, of psychology in in productivity. I might I might sit you down, Pilar, and say, "Look, here's a way of prioritizing your work, and it's uh, something like a prioritization matrix. There you go. You've got four boxes, and everything you do can fit into those boxes. And you might understand that, and you might be able to give me examples of how those tasks can be distributed among those four boxes in terms of urgency and importance. But what we're not talking about there is how do you feel when you have to make a decision when you start to prioritize." Effectively, then it's uncomfortable because when you're doing one thing, you're not doing the other things. Yeah. And of course, the trap we can frequently fall into is I should be doing it all. I can't do everything. That feels terrible. So let me flay around and multitask and really not get anything done properly. So we really need to um, be honest with ourselves about how it feels to prioritize and, and to, you know, to, to do that with intention. Um, And I I wrote a blog post about this uh, a while back, uh, which I'll link to in the show notes, but really underlining the fact that proper prioritization is uncomfortable because we're making a very, we're making a kind of a binary decision. um, And we don't know if it's exactly the right one. That's the other thing. But at least we know what we're going to put first. The
1: question of... uh what what, oh, what sorry, I, I had it. I had it in my mind as a question around what what makes me feel uncomfortable. There was a question around that, uh, which I think is so key to really understand uh, in in planning our work or whatever or in addressing our work, where are the bits that are making us uncomfortable? And just recognizing that I don't think we ask that question enough.
0: Mm, it It's different to skill, knowledge. Mm ability you know those things do you know how to do this fine well why aren't you doing it well you Mm -hmm. know knowing how to do it and feeling confident or capable or making comparisons between myself and my colleagues or um, having some unhelpful beliefs about what happens when I do this that all can get in the way so a coaching psychology approach um, as I said can be really really helpful rather than just focusing on nuts and bolts this is how you do this. Let's understand why you're not doing it. And then here's some frameworks that you might find uh, useful. And of course, you know, your whole self-concept can get in the way. A a very common example of that is when, you know, someone's view of themselves hasn't kept pace with their career trajectory, and, and that can prevent them from delegating because they're still identifying with a a younger self, a previous incarnation of themselves where they were very much a doer, but now they're a leader and they haven't evolved with that. And so they're still trying to do and lead and feeling overwhelmed as a result. So part of, and it sounds a bit strange, but part of coaching for productivity might simply be helping someone update the view they hold of themselves, um, and nothing to do with prioritizing, nothing to do with time or energy. It's just actually, I don't need to do that anymore. Light bulb moment.
1: It is. It's fascinating, and it can yeah, and so rich and complicated. And I can really see, especially when you mentioned about this is what you how you might approach it during a training session. And however, how a coaching process around this is, uh, well, I think probably more long lasting and more individual as well. Um, So Richard, as well as uh, looking at the psychology of of productivity, the psychology of how we approach work, do you come to round two systems or ways of working? Do you, is that something that you look at then?
0: Definitely. Um, but very much contextualized for the individual. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if you work in a large organization, you probably have tools at your disposal that everyone uses. That's a great starting point. There's no need to kind of reinvent everything. You probably have shared calendars. You have an email system you use. There might be some shared workspace or way of seeing tasks and workload. Let's work with that. And let's make sure you're using those things properly. Let's make sure that, for example, I'll, I'll tell you a really, really common example. And, Actually, I'll fall prey to this as well. My calendar will not look like the work I've scheduled for myself. So I end up, oh, wait, I've got commitments in my calendar and I've got things on my to do list. And where's all the time going to come from? So, some simple things can be to help people differentiate how to use the tools at their disposal. You know, your calendar could be for um, uh, commitments that involve other people, whether that's a deadline or a, th- a place or a meeting you need to be at. But at the same time, we can also use it to block out time to do things that we know we need to do. And again, many people won't do that. They won't book a meeting with themselves, and then they go to look and unhappily, many other people have booked meetings with them, and so they've no time left to address the priorities they've identified. Um, it, it can be um, about you know uh, get doing something as simple as a brain dump of everything that's on your mind. What are all the things that are worrying you? All the incomplete tasks, all the projects that are, you know, yet to be started, all of the commitments, and 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 getting into the habit of writing these things down, even before you start looking at how are you going to use a task management app or a project management app. Just get the stuff out of your head, and it, it, it can be quite a relief. It can be quite, you know... Uh, scary to see that big, yes. long list if you haven't done it. But then you go, hey, well, at least I know what it is now. I'm not kind of denying it. And um, that, that goes quite a long way to helping people say, I will do, I won't do, I'll delegate that, I'll do that myself. You know what you're dealing with then. Um, I think an important thing to know about uh, the systems side of things is that very small changes can make a big difference. Uh, Small changes that might help someone include, you know, blocking out some time at the very start of your day to establish your priorities rather than agreeing to go to an 8 a.m. meeting where you haven't even had a chance to figure out what needs to be done that day and already, um, you know, your your, your day is in chaos Uh, or trying to figure out what needs to be done but only after you've checked all the emails and all the Slack channels and all the everything. Um, so, you know, small adjustments to when you do things, and how you do things, uh, setting up reminders, turning off all the notifications so you can focus on, on things, some very, very small things. And sometimes that's really practical, you know. I've lost count of the, the number of times I've uh, – coaches has handed me their iPhone so I can show them how – to manage notifications so they're not at the mercy of those things and that's because we don't generally get trained to do that I'm an anomaly I know that I I spend far too much time playing with technology but in that way I know how these things work so um, something as simple as being able to get some quiet time to focus can make uh, a huge difference
1: So Along those lines, then, if we are looking at going through a coaching process where we're looking at our productivity... What are some of the other things that we might be doing uh, in between sessions? Because we we touched on this on both the other episodes, on both mm. episodes uh, one and two that uh, oh, sorry one and two of this series <laughs> that uh, there's things that we can be doing as coaches just to make the most out of the process. So, in particular with regards to productivity, what can we do in between coaching sessions?
0: I think overarching everything is being willing to get your hands dirty. OK, so to to try not just think about it and see the logic behind it, but to try and do things differently. And obviously that can be deeply uncomfortable, but that that's part of change. Um, so practical small changes uh, are very important. Uh, one illustration I can share with you would be um, where someone might take away a task to, to track their time. Um, where does my time go during the week? If someone says, I I don't have enough time to get everything done, what they might do is evaluate that based on um, it's the end of the week and I haven't completed all my tasks. However, if you track how you've spent your time during that week, you can then spot times where actually I don't need to go to that meeting anymore or look how much time I've spent on social media or look how much time I can't account for. It's a big gap. And I don't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it brings to close attention um, our, our kind of distance from the accuracy of time, if I can put it that way. The the map we have in our calendar doesn't always resemble the territory once we're in work. So that can be a quite an illuminating thing for, for someone to do. And that's not a permanent uh, solution or a permanent practice, it's more a case of let's illustrate how far you're you're deviating from what your plan might be. Um, learning how to prioritize and just regularly looking at tasks as they come in and maybe practicing saying no or not an automatic yes or learning how to um, have conversations about workload. Um, there might be some practice delegation with some very low risk simple activities so they can just practice the interpersonal side of delegation without too much worry if things go wrong. Um, Learning how to uh, create and set goals and identify the habits that can support those goals. And they could be very small goals, but what we want to try and do is illustrate the power of being specific about where you want to get to, the power of habit to help you get there, and the sense of accomplishment when you do. So we can start really, really small. And that helps that specificity and that action helps us move away from, oh, I've all this stuff to do. It's overwhelming. And that feels awful uh, to actually, these are my priorities. These are my goals. This is how I'm going to get there. Sure. Things may happen to knock me off course. Other people will demand things of me. There may be emergencies I haven't considered, but I'm working off uh, a plan rather than I'm trying to remember to remember and I've got 10,000 post-it notes (laughs) everywhere um, that actually make me feel a little bit anxious when I try and think about my workload and and my priorities. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, there's a lot that we can be getting on with even in between coaching sessions. So uh, Richard, we've covered so much. We looked at what productivity was, how it comes up in coaching conversations, uh, what you focus on during the what you might be focusing on during the session and mindset. And we finally looked at even systems and when that might come in. So I think we've covered a lot around (laughs) coaching around productivity. Uh, So what do you want to focus the next episode on? I have an idea. I think you mentioned something right at the beginning.
0: It, it, exactly. So um, in our next episode, I, I'd like to elaborate a little bit on how coaching can help when it comes to our well-being, which is a similarly broad word uh, that we might use. There's a lot that can fit under that. But just like um, productivity can uh, cover a multitude, it's it's a, a, a badge of convenience, but it helps us understand what are we here to do. Uh, and really, when it comes to coaching, it's about helping people make changes so that they can either improve or maintain their well-being, given the demands uh, that are placed upon them because of work and, and outside of work, which is uh, which is important to remember. So my, my parting thoughts on the whole space of productivity is that the word is a double-edged sword. Um, it, it really is just, how do we get those things done? And um, there is no one-size-fits-all. So try and avoid those um, comparisons with those around you or following a book like it's a religious text. Find your own way, your own methods uh, that work for you. Um, And we have so many resources to do with this topic on the blog. So worklifesyc.com slash blog. Uh, They're all divided by um, theme, and there's a rich seam of productivity content there where we go into these things in a bit more detail i hope you found that useful and really looking forward to discussing uh, well-being with you next time pilar and everyone that's listening if you have questions about this particular topic love to hear about it we'll do our very best uh, to answer those questions in a, in a future episode but for now thanks for listening for downloading this episode of my pocket psych to get in touch with questions and feedback you can tweet us at work psych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifesight.com contact thanks for listening